What's good, everyone? Welcome back to the Bucks Film Room Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sampson, and you can find me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I write about the Milwaukee Bucks for Brew Hoop and for Forbes Sports. You can find this pot this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Just search for the Brew Hoop feed, and then you can find this Bucks Film Room podcast under that feed as well. In my pod, it comes out every Thursday morning, so make sure to continue and checking in. I'm also proud to announce a new partnership that I have with B-Ball Index. You can subscribe to their data and tools packages that now includes 23 spreadsheets, including grades for every single player. You can compare player versus player, year versus year, and even across different positions. You can also use their free agency hub to see if someone like Chris Middleton will return positive or negative value over the life of his contract extension with the Bucks. It's great for fans, and it's certainly a lot of fun. It's only $5 a month to subscribe, and now you can get 15% off by using the coupon code BUCKSFILMROOM. Just go to bball-index.com and you can subscribe to their data and tools packages for only $5 a month. And then when you enter in the promo code BUCKSFILMROOM, which is all lowercase and all one word, you'll get 15% off. And we'll be using some of those player grades in this episode. We used some of those player grades in that in the past episodes when we were grading DJ Wilson and Kyle Korver. And then we'll use them in future podcasts as well. So definitely check that out. So today we continue breaking down individual players. It's a kind of a long summer. We're, we're to that long, boring part of the summer. And we've already done DJ Wilson and Kyle Corver, and I think those were fairly successful, and I think you guys liked them. I've heard some kind of positive things. I guess I haven't really heard negative things. So we'll keep on going. We'll keep on working our way through the roster. There's plenty of time until the season begins. The preseason, I think their first preseason game is in October, and so there, we got plenty of time here. Um, and I so on my Twitter poll, I had put up four players. I think I'd put up... Oh, I'm not, I don't even remember. Pat Connaughton, George Hill, Dante DiVincenzo, and Sterling Brown, I think, were the four. And asked you guys to vote on who you wanted this pod to be on, and you guys chose Dante, Dante DiVincenzo. So today's all about Dante. Um, and just like the other pods, I'm going to break down his strengths, his weaknesses, and then go through the best and worst case scenarios for the 2019 season. So this will be fun. DiVincenzo, he was selected with the 17th overall pick in the 2018 NBA draft. And it was actually the Bucks' third 17th overall pick in the past four years. You know, they were just stuck in mediocrity. They got uh, Giannis at 15. You know, they had just been right around like that 10 to 17 range for a while um, with a couple exceptions here and there like Jabari Parker at number two. But otherwise, they were just stuck in mediocrity. It's really nice now that they're an elite team and the cream of the crop. But, you know, DiVincenzo, like I said, that third 17th overall pick in four years. So that's kind of where they're at. As far as Dante goes, you know, many people forget he was actually the first man or one of the first men off the bench for the Bucks in their season opener against Charlotte way back in October of 2017 or 2018, excuse me. So he was actually one of the first guys off the bench. In all, it was not an impressive rookie year for him. He averaged 4.9 points, 2.4 rebounds, and 1.1 assists per game while shooting a nasty 26.5% from deep and had an effective field goal percentage of 49.2%. 
Not great numbers, folks. That's not great numbers at all. Uh, but we want to focus on some of the strengths here at the, at the Bucks Film Room podcast. So let's jump into his game by beginning with the positives. Let's let's take a look at his strengths. Like I said, it, it was an up and down year for him. I think one of DiVincenzo's biggest strengths is he's a smart player. He understands the game. He understands his role. He doesn't have any uh, misconceptions about what his role is on this team and what it will be moving forward. You know, he understands what Mike Budenholzer is asking of him on both ends of the court. Now, he may not always be able to execute it, but he's mostly in the right spot at the right time, which is impressive for a rookie. And that also played into part of the reason why he was probably one of the first guys off the bench, you know. When you think of Budenholzer and a Budenholzer guy, obviously Ersan Ilyasova jumps to mind, and DiVincenzo should be right there with him. It's not hard, or it's not easy for a rookie to earn those minutes right away in the first game of the season, and a lot of that was just because of his savviness. He's smart. I can remember at one point last year, I forget which game it was, but end of the quarter coming down, I think maybe maybe it was against the Hornets, I'm not sure, but a Kemba Walker, somebody was trying to isolate at the top of the key. A bigger man was about to get matched up on him. DiVincenzo slid up and shooed the other guy away and said, I got him, I got him. And just really like, you know, took on that onus. Like, it's a guard. I can handle this. You go and get ready to play help defense. Now I think DiVincenzo ended up getting shook on that play, but still just, you know, he's ready. He's got that grittiness. He's got that willingness to step in and really try to make it, an impact for his team and try to put his team first. He kind of going along with this. He's also a hustle and energy guy. There always seemed to be at least one play a game where it would just kind of wow you. He'd come it flying in for an offensive rebound. He would go flying into the stands to save a ball. He would dive on the ground for a ball. You know, he'd make a, a defensive play, a steal, a block, something like that. And so I think, you know, he deserves credit for that in the strengths category. There's always at least that one play a game that just kind of made you like say like did he did he really just do that? Did that just happen? So that you know that's that's somewhere to start for a rookie. As far as this game goes, he was actually a pretty good finisher, a, a re- very good finisher. He made 79% of his shots around the rim, which ranked in the 95th percentile, according to Cleaning the Glass. Of course, it was it was a small sample size. You know, he only played 391 minutes last year, so he had 33 shots around the rim. But that still is a starting point. You know, we got to take, we're going to take what we can take here. Um and so that 79% of his shots around the rim is is very good. It's a nice starting point. You know, we know that Budenholzer likes his five-out system where it's either threes or shots around the hoop. And we'll talk about his threes here in a little bit, but that part wasn't good. So it's nice that he at least has this building block as far as his ability to finish around the rim. I don't expect him to continue to shoot close to 80% around the hoop, especially as he gets more opportunities, that number will definitely come down. But I think that it might not drop drastically or as drastically as we once thought. So his his finishing ability is really something that he flashed last year. You know, he can finish with either hand around the hoop. He can use his vertical jump to create some of that separation. So that was really nice to see. He also showed some 
some ability to pass the ball in the pick and roll. You know, we talk a lot about Boonholzer guys. They have to be able to shoot, pass, dribble, and and he can do a little bit of that. Uh, he made a couple of nice reads in the pick and roll last year, found his guys on the roll, you know, made some I wouldn't say that they're incredibly difficult decisions, but he made the basic decisions and he made them with efficiency and accuracy, which is, you know, is important. You just have to, sometimes in basketball, it's all about making your decision and, and sticking with it. And he did that. So that was really important for him. And I don't think that he is going to be this huge playmaker. I don't see him as a point guard, but I think if he can kind of fill maybe a little bit of that role that Malcolm Brogdon is leaving as far as a playmaker in the Bucks offense, if he can just pick up a tiny slack, a tiny bit of that slack, which I think Milwaukee's going to count on a few different guys just to pick up a little bit more of that slack. So if he can be one of those guys, you know, I think he showed some of that ability. His athleticism is another strength. He he's He's fairly... He's fairly agile. He had pretty good testing numbers like in the cone and the shuttle test during the combine in 2018. What really stands out is this 42-inch vertical leap. You know, the Bucks have a couple of those guys in DiVincenzo and in Connaughton who have that nice vertical leap, and, and he's definitely one of them. You know, that 42-inch vertical leap was tied for the combine best back in 2018. And so I just wanted to give him a little shout out for that. You know, he likes, he loves to show that vertical off, especially if it's flying in for offensive rebounds or something like that. So the final strength that he has, and this might be the most important part of his game and really what his whole future rests on and how we remember him. And that's his nicknames. He's got some really good nicknames, like some of the best nicknames. The first one, the Big Ragu. The Big Ragu. I mean, that's just, that's a solid nickname. I love that nickname. You know, gets after his red hair, you know, his maybe Italian heritage. And so the Big Ragu. The other one, the Michael Jordan of Delaware. I love that. The Michael Jordan of Delaware. It just doesn't get any better than that. I love that. You know, that's my... If he never does anything on the court, that's what he's always going to remember, be remembered as, the Michael Jordan of Delaware. All right, moving on to weaknesses. So the biggest weakness that DiVincenzo has is injuries. He only played in 27 games in his rookie year, and he missed a lot of time with foot and heel injuries. You know, he only played in five games from January through the rest of the season. He also sat out summer league as well because of this lingering concern. Um, so that's just, wor- that's worrisome. You know, I don't know if that's necessarily like a weakness in him or weakness in his game, but it's just something that he's got to get figured out. It's a concern that I have heading into his second year here in 2019-2020, and he needs to get that figured out. Hopefully he's had time to rest. Um, you know, it's when he only played in five games from January on, and then he wasn't healthy enough to play in summer league. I mean, I know Budenholzer and them said maybe he might play. He's fine. They just want to be cautious with him, but that's that's six months of almost six months of rest that he still couldn't get it under control and if he was 100% healthy then the Bucks would have played him in summer league he definitely would have benefited from that league from those games and so it's just a worry that I have you don't you want to get that stuff under control ASAP you don't want it to linger you know who knows it could just be a one-year thing but 
right now it's just something that definitely has to be on the radar you know he missed a significant amount of time last season was not able to be a contributor throughout the you know last two-thirds of the year so we'll see we'll see how that plays out on the court his outside shot is his biggest glaring weakness he ranked in the ninth percentile last season among all wings by only making 27 percent of his shots and again that's according to cleaning the glass so he really needs to get that part figured out he is going to struggle to earn consistent playing time if a he's healthy and b he can't hit that outside shot we saw what happened to Eric Bledsoe in the postseason, and Bledsoe, you know, had a better percentage than DiVincenzo. So if he, you know, we'll talk about here coming up in the best case scenario, what he should aim for, what would be a nice goal for him next year. But right now he's got to really work on becoming more accurate with that three-point shot. You know, he struggled from all over the court. It wasn't just like he was good on corner threes or he's good above the break. You know, it was really all over the court. He's consistently inconsistent or consistently bad from three-point line. So I think that's something, you know, it's hard to make an impact on this team if you can't make your three-point shot on a consistent basis. That's just going to play you right off the floor. We saw that happen with Pat Connaughton last year. At the beginning of the season, he wasn't able to gain those minutes because his three-point shot just wasn't there. But when he was finally hitting that shot with some consistency, he earned more of that playing time. So that's really something that DiVincenzo needs to work on heading into his second season. I say that, but then how much can he really work on that if he's injured, if he's not able to practice, if he's practice if he's not able to work on that shot throughout the summer so we'll we'll have to see how that plays out and this isn't necessarily a weakness but the Bucks and even Chenzo will have to figure out what his true position is he's not necessarily a point guard I don't have him pegged as a point guard he can do some ball handling some passing that pick and roll but he's not a guy who's going to create a shot for himself on a regular basis or create a shot for others on his on a regular basis sure he can bring the ball up and initiate the offense but Milwaukee already has a bunch of those guys you know obviously you have Bledsoe and Hill who are the, like the true point guards on the team but Middleton can initiate the office obviously Giannis can you know they have a few options of guys who can do that and DiVincenzo might just be in that category but I think they got to figure out what his true position is if it's not point guard is he able to play shooting guard he's listed at like six three and a half he does have a six six wingspan which helps him a little bit but is he strong enough is he big enough to guard other twos in this league I think that's a question that he'll have to answer in year two he his lateral quickness a couple of times last year, he got crossed up pretty nasty where he was reaching for the floor in order to prevent himself from falling over. So I think he'll have to figure out what his true position is. Maybe he'll kind of be like that tweener like Brogdon was. I think that would be kind of best case scenario, but I think hopefully a year from now we'll have a better understanding of exactly what his strengths and weaknesses are and what position he can play and how he can help this team. All right, so let's pause for a quick break, and then we will be right back. All right, so for this last half of the podcast, we are going to jump into the best-case scenario for DiVincenzo and the worst-case scenario for DiVincenzo. So we love our positives here. We love to be positive. So let's start with best-case scenario. 
you probably heard or saw this article, Eric name of the athletic, you know, he's pretty high on DiVincenzo, at least as far as his minutes prediction goes to begin the season. So a couple of weeks ago, Eric had an article out at the athletic where he ran through what he predicts the Bucks opening night minutes rotation to be. And he had DiVincenzo about 21, 22 minutes a game. So, you know, that's, that's about where, where he was at through the first 10 games of last year. So it's not crazy. It's not unthinkable. Like I had said earlier, when you think about a Budenholzer guy, Ursan and DiVincenzo should be the first two guys on this Bucks roster that jump to mind. So if he can be healthy, you know, and I think that's the other best case scenario is that health is he needs to be healthy. And if he can, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibilities for him to earn that 20 minutes a game. Milwaukee, they have a bunch of options at guard. You know, they have Wes Matthews, Kyle Korver, DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton, Sterling Brown, and Budenholzer isn't going to be able to play all those guys on a nightly basis. We saw last year guys like Sterling Brown and Pat Connaughton, and you could probably add DiVincenzo to this list, although health got in the way, but they were in and out of the lineup throughout the year, depending on how they played, you know, Connaughton had a nice stretch to run to end the to end the regular season and then into the playoffs. Sterling Brown started the whole series against Detroit in the playoffs and then the first game against Boston, but then quickly dropped off. So it's this open rotation. So those minutes are going to be there, especially now with Brogdon gone. Those minutes are going to be there, and DiVincenzo, maybe he can earn those 20 minutes off the bench. I think Wes Matthews will be the starter there, but there's a he's not going to play 30 minutes a night. I don't even think you know he'll be closer to 25 would be my guess, and so there'll be plenty of minutes there to be earned. We'll see if DiVincenzo can do that. So best case scenario, he gets about that 20 to 22 minutes per game. And he stays healthy. He he plays 75 to 80 games throughout the year. And he's able to put those foot injuries that plagued him in his rookie year behind him. And they don't, or those foot heel injuries, and they don't pop up again. And he's able to continue, you know, building some momentum, or he's able to start building some momentum and carry that into the postseason. As far as shooting goes, you know, I think best case for DiVincenzo is that he brings his his three-point shooting up to about league average. So he's making 36-37% of his attempts on like four to five threes a game. So I think that's right where he wants to be is just, I mean, nothing crazy. We're not asking 39, 40, 45%, just league average, like 36% next year. That would be a nice jump. You know, well, that'd be a huge jump, but I think it's definitely doable for DiVincenzo. You know, these best case scenarios, we want them to be realistic, not just like out of this world. But I think if he can just even hit league average from three-point distance, that would be nice, a nice floor spacing option for this Bucks team. He he has a nice stroke, you know, he has a nice follow through, he's got nice ball placement as far as his release, you know, he's got a nice stroke, it looks pretty, he just needs to put it together in the game, and he needs to hit those shots, they're going to be there, you know, when he's on the floor, he, he, he will be the team's probably fifth option, fourth scoring option at best, so those opportunities, those open looks are going to be there, the defense isn't going to pay as much attention to him, you know, they're going to focus in on Giannis, on Middleton, on Lopez, on Bledsoe, on, on any of those other guys and so those opportunities are going to be there he's just going to need to to knock down his open shots so that would definitely be 
part of his best case scenario. I think the other part is he's able to improve his playmaking in the strengths category. We talked a little bit about his pla- about his passing and the pick and roll and his playmaking there. And 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 I think in this best case scenario, is he picks that up, maybe he averages like two assists a game, nothing crazy again, but just does a little bit more, just picks up a little bit for Brogdon. Um, and he's able just to help create a little bit for his teammates. Obviously, but in this scenario, he's able to continue finishing at the rim, not at that 79% clip, but even if at if it's 70, 72%, you know, I think just continuing to finish around the hoop like that. I think those things, if all these things fall into place, it would be a great, it'd be a tremendous second season. The Bucks would be in a great place come postseason, come the playoffs. I think that would be, you know, really tremendous if DiVincenzo is able to step up and really take that game to the next level. In a glass half-empty World, you know, the biggest worst case scenario for DiVincenzo is is that he battles injuries all season long. He's he didn't get healthy this summer, or he did get healthy, and then you know the heel injury, the foot injury pops up again, and he misses significant time. I think that would be the obvious worst case scenario. At at 22 years old, you know, this is valuable time for him. If he's going to be an NBA rotational player like he could be, then he needs this time on the court. You know, obviously it's not a make or break year for him, but, you know, after missing most of his rookie season, he needs that time on the court. He needs that, those reps and We'll see how that plays out. So I think, you know, the the biggest worst case scenario is that health-wise, he's not able to stay on the floor. Um, he has to watch from the bench in a, in a suit for most of this season. He's not able to work on his craft, work on his game. That would just be awful. Um, availability, you know, is the best ability. So he's really got to be available for his team. Other worst case scenarios would be that if he does stay healthy, his outside shooting doesn't improve. He stays below 30% on the season from the three-point line. And Boonholzer can't play him if he's not hitting his threes. I think that's plain and simple. Even if he's a Boonholzer guy, it's hard to play someone consistent minutes if they're hitting below 30% of their three-point shots, especially in today's you know modernized offense um, where the Bucks play five out and they want all their guys to be able to shoot and be that threat from downtown. So... That would be the other worst case scenario is he's hitting below 30% of his threes. And if that's the case, you know, the Bucks have plenty of other options. Sterling Brown is hungry. Pat Connaughton would be hungry. You know, those guys are going to be ready to go if if someone like DiVincenzo, A, beats him out and B, doesn't hit his shots. You know, you, Kyle Korver is going to make his threes. He might not do other things, but he's going to make his threes. Wes Matthews has shown he can make his threes. And so DiVincenzo is kind of, is probably last on this pecking order as far as proven guys with their outside shot. So worst case scenario here is he doesn't take that step forward like we are hoping for. And he still makes less than 30% of his outside shots. As far as the other end of the court, you know, I think a worst case scenario would be that he appears outmatched on the defensive end of the floor. He doesn't have a real position there. He's not necessarily quick enough laterally to guard point guards, but he's not big enough to guard to guard two. So I think that would be a worst case scenario is if he's not able to fit in and find a defensive matchup, the Bucks are already going to have to hide guys like Kyle Korver when he's on the court, um, Pat Connaughton a little bit here and there. And so they can't keep 
putting players out there. You know, they were they were the best defensive team or one of the best defensive teams last year. And so that would really be a blow. You know, Devin Chesel, he was an adequate defender, I would say, last year. I wouldn't say he's a liability, but I wouldn't say he was above average. He's an adequate defender. And so I think worst case scenario is he's just not able to or maybe he takes a step back in that defense. Guys, the opposing teams target him a little bit more. So I think that would be worst-case scenario is, one, on offense, he's not hitting threes, and then, B, on defense, he's not able to make an impact. He's not able to hold his own, to hold his ground, or anything like that. I think that would really be concerning. Fortunately, Milwaukee would have other guys, but as far as DiVincenzo goes, you know, he would fall out of the rotation pretty quickly. He wouldn't be in most games. You know, those other guys would be getting those opportunities. Well, that's all that I have for you today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I hope to catch you next time.